Hello there. You're listening to Local Bops, a music podcast about artists, community, and craft. And I'm your host, Connor Beckett. On this episode, I'm speaking with Henry Grant, a singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist based in Brooklyn, about his latest EP, Sensations, which came out in February of this year. I've been following Henry Grant's music in some form for over five years now. His former bands, the indie rock outfit Zula, played a couple shows at a Washington, D.C. DIY space I frequented during my college years, and I wrote a small piece about his last LP, City Mouse, in mid-2020. It was from this previous acquaintance with his work that I was delighted to see that his latest extended play went in a somewhat novel direction, moved forward primarily by meandering, nylon-stringed guitar performances a gentle counterpart to the interwoven electronic approach that's defined his previous efforts. Amplified by Grant's untethered, free-roaming approach to songwriting, and aided by former Zula collaborator Alejandro Salazar-Dyer, as well as Ryan Weiner and Caitlin Pascoe, and the end result is a sunny collection of songs that combine psych and acoustic sounds in equal measure. Over the course of an hour, we spoke about this EP's central theme of gratitude, the pitfalls of optimism, and taking the path of least resistance when it comes to creating new music. Throughout this episode, we'll also listen to excerpts from Sensations. Before our interview starts, here's a sample of the project's fifth track, Going In. Give it a listen. The Sensations EP follows your 2020 record, City Mouse, and despite being a shorter effort, it contends with a tremendous amount of change in your personal life. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about those changes, and I guess the role they uh, had, or the role that they played in the theming of this EP. So yeah, it's uh, 2021, April 2021, so there's globally, there's been a lot that's been happening in the last year. Um, Normally, I live in New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, with my partner, Sophie, in October 2019. So just about 18 months ago, we had our first child, River is his name. And um, so we were just kind of getting our toes dipped into the waters of parenting when pandemic hit. We've spent the last year moving around first uh, at my dad's place in Rochester, New York, for a while and then now where i am currently is in santa cruz california at my partner sophie's parents place so um the years had a lot of uh, intimate moments it's had a lot of time that's just been the three of us with this young family and 
some grandparents around and there's been a lot of intimacy and there hasn't been so much extroverted social life happening. So that's a, a big part of this EP is trying to sort of find my center with that intimacy and is about those relationships and about my relationship with Sophie, uh, which is we've been together since 2006. So <laughs> it's been a lot of miles. It's been a lot of years. And um, we care for each other and try to think about the best way to do that. And a lot of that is in the EP in one form or another. So the big change being parenthood, the big change being the one that everyone has experienced, the, the pandemic times. Um, and then I guess the other change for me is just moving out of a place of being part of a band. I had a band with my cousin, Nate, uh, called Zula, as well as uh, Joanne and Alejandro, who the other players in that band. And so moving out of a band space into a sort of solo artist space, I've been writing songs for 20 years and I need to write songs to stay sane and to feel happy. So I've been just trying to tend to that spark with this EP. I think you hear a lot of the um, the intimacy on this EP. Um, and I feel like the atmosphere is decidedly more relaxed in comparison to what we're hearing on City Mouse and your self-titled extended play, as well as the Zula discography in general. And I feel like a lot of that energy seems to come from the inclusion of more acoustic instrumentation. Like, you know, there's a lot more acoustic guitar here, and there's this percussion that gives it this kind of quiet shuffle over the course of these six tracks. And, you know, it's fitting. Uh, it, it seems like a fitting shift uh, given, you know, the subject matter that you had just mentioned. But I was wondering if you could speak more to that sort of dampened timber that we, we hear over these six tracks and I guess the motivations behind that shift in sound. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to talk about acoustic music. Um, it's really, it's kind of where I come from. I want to um, give a shout out to my seventh grade guitar teacher, Donald Sorrell, who first put my fingers on a fretboard. Uh, and unfortunately, he's passed away in the last few years. Um, but he was an uh, amazing teacher and gave me that first instrumental voice. Um, and that semester, my dad bought me a guitar and I became a self-taught guitar player and composer. And so the return to acoustic is a return to home base for me and a return to a composition style that really is how I learned to write music, which is um, with an acoustic guitar. And then as I got into high school and college with an acoustic guitar and a computer and a DAW, multi-tracking acoustic guitar. So I love multi-tracking acoustic guitar. And I am chasing a sound in my head that is acoustic and that has rhythm and that is always present with me, but is in escape. Like I can't put exactly my finger on it. And that's kind of always the thing I'm chasing. Right. Did you feel like, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It just feels like that, um, what you're describing perhaps was like that, that form of composition and songwriting was always there. 
um, there was always just additional components that were on top of it. But I guess in returning to <clears throat> like a form of songwriting and, and songcraft and song composition that felt familiar and felt very much in line with, I guess, those formative experiences with making music. Did that? Did did you find yourself uh, reorienting yourself towards uh, the songwriting practices that were characteristic of when you were first making music at, as a consequence, or not so much? Yeah, um, that, that's an interesting question. I think to some extent, just the physicality of uh, writing with an acoustic guitar, which is something that I moved away from for a while, and during the last. Uh, releases of Zula, I was mostly writing with an MPC, um, sort of writing with a beat foundation. Uh, and the other kind of distinction that comes to mind for me is I'm a, like a restless music consumer and listener. And I sort of, maybe it's also like I, I have a genetic uh, <laughs> predisposition to like hit the reward button over and over again. As is, you know, as does my whole family. So when I find the kind of music that I like, I like sort of mine it out. I like listen to it just that for a, a long time, and um, I've been doing that especially since since college. Um, and so where that's led to me, led me to in the last few years is to hip hop um, and melodic trap music, which to me taps into that quality of intimacy that sometimes I associate with coming from like a folk artist playing on a guitar, but I find that same quality in like um, a melodic, you know, rapper who's singing over a really sparse instrumental. So with City Mouse, I was trying to kind of force that link a little bit and like push through that and that was a tremendous um, learning experience for me and to understand you know my position as a songwriter and my position in relationship to aesthetics that I was excited by and appropriating and combining into the aesthetic but I feel like I got some of that out of my system on City Mouse and relaxed a little bit and now could create an EP that was more closer to my roots and didn't aspire to be something outside of myself as much. I guess while we're at like kind of on the subject of genres, you know, there's a decidedly greater psych influence on this extended play, which is uh, to me most noticeable on tracks two and four, Lie to Me and Reunion respectively. Uh, mm -hmm. Circling in on Reunion, can we get technical for a bit and talk production I mean, acoustic and psych are by no means mutually exclusive, but I feel like with this track, uh, you're hitting that sweet spot of incorporating this kind of hazy synth with guitar moving most of the action forward. And uh, I was wondering if you could break down the creation of this track from conception through its execution. That one was the longest process on the EP. It, um, right after uh, my son River was born, I... Um, was just this is like october november 2019 i was just trying to get just something up and running where i could record some music you know in half an hour here and there uh so i set up a fun 
uh, guitar effects rig that uh, in the first the first thing in the chain was a looper, so I could create a static sound, and then it to split it out into two different a left and a right channel, and um, sent those through a, a delay pedal. My favorite delay pedal, the Boss DD6, and if you plug uh, you can you can basically set it up so that one side is the dry signal and one side is the wet affected signal. So one thing that I've been thinking a lot about and I was thinking about at that time is in terms of um, the way that like a, a trap production or a, a modern, even a modern pop production is laid out. You have the sort of vocal beat and music and the music component is often really far to the sides so that the center channel can be mostly about the vocal. So I was kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go for this sort of thing, you know, like I'm going to do something that's really far stereo by creating a loop. And then just like with my fingers, subtly manipulating the delay time on the wet, which was hard pants. So that's the kind of swirly foundation of that track is a guitar loop that I processed in real time in that manner. Um, and I went through a few different iterations of uh, like different kinds of beats with that track before ultimately getting Alejandro uh, Salazar Dyer, who's the Zula drummer and plays with Gemma and um, a lot of other bands. I was just like, I'm just going to get him to play drums on the whole EP. So we just did, we just did a day. And if you're ever going to hire a drummer for anything, you should hire Alejandro because he is always really prepared in addition to being a nice person and an amazing musician. But so he just played the EP pretty much in a few hours, all the drum parts for it. At one point, it had some moments of minor key sort of um, dissonance that to me added a quality of beyond to it. Uh, I got Ryan Weiner, who plays with the uh, many groups and has his own solo project, not person, just just put out an amazing record. Um, he played guitar in this and he just he took out those those minor notes, the clashing notes. He reined me in. So shout out to Ryan for helping me jettison unnecessary complicated musical ideas. I love that idea of uh <clears throat> going off into I guess slightly headier, more discordant space uh originally and then I guess unguided you have your collaborator coming in and steering you back towards the shore uh and creating something that is in the end like a very holy melodic listening experience i thought that i was being so clever and that that was like the main feature of the part i was asking him to perform and he yeah radically simplified things and it's, it's better now which is just a general life lesson that i'm trying to follow uh but yeah, the, the lyrics and the lyrical content of that song are just uh, the sensation of returning to somebody's company who you haven't been with for a while. Well, uh, let's give it a listen now. Here's a bit of Reunion by Henry Grant off Sensations. I saw a distance over my shoulder I believe we've waited just to be closer Get quickly used to Relying on someone For me that's so free On Norwich Main Street 
She meant to take me Down my mama's basement Now there's something freaky About the way time's moving Dark half a window pane Take kids to grade school Stasis in a fall I won't want slide in Beyond that track, um, I mean, obviously you talked about using delay to create that kind of swirling atmospheric backbone that we hear um, on the final cuts. Um, But at the same time, you know, I talked about uh, this sort of acoustic central line sort of driving the action forward. Um, Did you find it a challenge to maintain that balance between, I guess, that more atmospheric uh, more ambient backbone, um, as well as the more central kind of cut and dry acoustic components on this album, uh, given what we're hearing is a bit of a departure from, you know, your previous work, or was that kind of an exercise that came really easily to you? Yeah, I think that limiting myself was helpful in that regard. Um, working with Alejandro to just have him do the drums and not really getting into the quagmire drum production that I create for myself was uh, very helpful. This, uh, the album, the collection started as a list of, I don't even, I think it's like 25 pieces of music that I sent to Ryan again. And I don't even think he like listened to it. He was like, this is so much, like, I'm not gonna (laughs) edit this for you. (laughs) So, uh, just ha- bouncing something, even if even if somebody doesn't even give you a response back, just to bounce something off somebody, is um, was a big part of this process and letting go, um, not trying to be something other than myself, not trying to um, not trying to write in a different genre, shifting away from process and back towards the thematic components of sensation. You'd indicated that these songs are quote bent on protecting joy and gratitude as the world swirls around, end quote, Um, which I think is a really lovely quote. I think in general, like practicing optimism in one's own life is something that can take a bit of getting used to, especially if it doesn't come naturally to you, um, which is the case for myself. But I was wondering if, uh, if you felt that writing these songs and creating this EP gave you an avenue through which you could channel additional gratitude towards what you already had in your life or did you feel like it was more a a byproduct of an existing optimism where the tracks kind of metabolized from how you were feeling already at this point i treat songwriting as like a thing like a a practice rather than something that's generating a specific result you know unlike uh, other people in my family and unlike people who are close to me my brain chemistry has allowed me to be happy for most of my life and uh, I'm sort of hyper-conscious of that. Uh, and so my resting position is one of gratitude, I think. Um, mm-hmm. 
but of course, I mean, you have to work to stay grateful and just not be be jaded. I think in the in the course of collaborating with people, and especially on City Mouse, I collaborated with people from different backgrounds and outside of the the indie scene that Zula was in. Um, there's some folks who I just met on the internet and did um, you know correspondences with. There's people from the pop world and the hip hop world on that release. Um, doing that work and doing, I, I also, my work is licensed on TV and I collaborate with other composers for that as well. Um, it's just, everybody's having, has their own shit to deal with. And um, I really wanna proceed as a, a creative with a holistic sensibility that invites a multiplicity of being. So I'm not trying to push myself into a box anymore. I'm just kind of more accepting of myself, I think, on this this EP as I realize that's that's what I want to give to the world and what I want from other artists is that sense of uh, there's lots of different ways to be and to like stay sane. That kind of ties into uh, what seems to me the the track on this EP that is most emblematic of the worldview that you were just describing, which is um, Want You Mad, uh, which, feature, which features some vocal contributions by um, a former guest of the radio version of this pr- program, Caitlin Pasco, who you've collaborated with in the past. Can you tell me, I guess, a little bit more about what's going on on this track in terms of lyrics? We've got at least one name drop to uh, one of the more popular Trump admin neologisms, alternative facts. So I feel like what we're hearing is this kind of inner mantra when it comes to I guess shutting out the noise of this past year or at the very least you know marinating within it and I guess being comfortable with being uncomfortable in some ways I have two things to share about that track which is one I feel like I have a urge as a creative to create something contradictory or add a complication to work that I create and so I think that there was something that fit for me about this kind of like lyric that's saying sort of they're trying to rile you up. They're trying to get a rise out of you combined with like a sort of chill acoustic thing. This, this whole, there's a whole spiritual in, inspiration for this track production wise and sonically. And I, I have to say, Connor, I wrote down a bunch of notes that are all like about artists that I'm influenced by and like production. And one of the interesting things about continuing to make music in this time is that production, drum sounds, uh, things like that, that have really driven my listening uh, over the last few decades are less important to me. And I'm kind of like, what's the meaning or what's the, it's a cliche, but if, even if I'm writing a piece of music, like why does somebody listen to this? Mm-hmm. The meaning of it is, is more, is more weighted, but, Anyway, this, the spiritual foundation for the production of this track was a conversation I had with uh, producer Bob Power. I met him in his capacity as a NYU professor, um, but he's he's known for like Tribe Called uh, Quest and some um, '90s stuff amongst. Uh, I mean, a long career of amazing records. I was a early twenty-something on the subway with him, and I was like, "What inspires you? Like, Bob, tell me, like." Where did you get your passion? And he told me to go listen to Harvest by Neil Young. He said, it's all there. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what that's where this track comes from, really. That's all about it's like the boom bap Neil Young vibe. As I said earlier, we've got a smaller circle on sensation, which I guess, you know, makes sense given the limitations of collaboration since last March and the, this new world that we're, we've entered into. The liner notes mention Pasco, who you lent your talents, to whom you lent your talents on her 2020 LP Greenhouse. Alejandra Salazar Dyer, who we've talked about already, who played in Zula, uh, as well as operator music bands, to my knowledge. Um, Ryan Weiner on electric guitar, and then mixing by Jake Aaron, who's also a longtime collaborator of yours. Um, yes. It seems you kept not only like a smaller circle, but a closer circle on this project. And I was going to speak to you. I was wondering if you could speak to what that collaboration was like during this this strange year in, in terms of cultivating this crop of six songs that we hear on the EP. Last summer, I had instrumentals, some demo vocals. I got back to New York. Uh, I went to the studio where I'm a partner in New York, uh, Pinch Recording in Long Island City. And I tracked all my vocals for the project. And then shortly thereafter, got Alejandro in for a day of drums. And then Ryan, I had just come off collaborating on another track with Ryan, um, just a one-off single that was my first pandemic collaboration. Um, And I think like a lot of people sort of some, I've I've clicked with some people in this time in terms of just connecting with like, this is pretty weird, what's going on? And Ryan was definitely one of those people early on and was, you know, entertaining my late night texts, et cetera. So um, shout out to Ryan who basically I sent him the tracks and he just laid down beautiful, amazing guitar parts with very little instruction, um, such as the slide guitar on uh, Mutual Friends. That was just his his determination of the vibe that was necessary. Um, th- that was the case for most of the guitar parts that he contributed. Um, it was cool because we had just written a song together, so I felt um, safer to just let him do his thing. But um, with collaboration, uh, I, w- I definitely want to do more collaboration. I'm in the process of doing it right now, and I'm 
very excited uh, to entertain other manifestations. Uh, this uh, this EP, I think, was less collaborative than I'd like to be working in the near future. Jake is an amazing mix engineer, and we've done so many projects together, and we've done plenty of projects when I've been like standing over his shoulder, second guessing him and slowing him down. Uh, but this one, he just turned it around super quick. He knows what I like, and he knows how to make stuff sound good. So, you know this extended play occupies a space that many albums recorded during 2020 or perhaps the, you know beginning in 2019 and going into 2020 do which is influenced largely by circumstances beyond your control i guess in keeping with um that quasi optimistic worldview that's been central to our conversation during this past hour um in the end did you view it as a learning experience and if so i guess what are the larger lessons from this whole project and ordeal that you're taking into your your next LP, or at least I should say the rest of 2021? I, this one was less of a learning experience for me because I think I didn't take that many risks. Frankly, I know that's like kind of no artist necessarily wants to admit that, but this was a, a lower stakes project by design. Um, but now I'm like, all the projects should be lower stake projects by design because it allows me to return to what it's all about, which is the, the, the joy, creating something that I believe in that represents me in the way that I want it to, being creative. Yeah, all those things. But it's also like, you know, I'm in my 30s and I'm nobody's idea of like a buzz band and is a buzz band even a thing anymore? And just adjusting expectations to this world, this dystopia that we live in. Um, uh, I feel really, after releasing this project, excited to release more music and excited to do more collaborations because that's one of the only things that I know that will make me happy in this world. Hey, thanks for listening to the second episode of the Local Bops podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by Billy Cochlin, a.k.a. Ambient Mice. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give the show a follow on Instagram, at Local Bops NYC, 
and be sure to give an in-depth listen to Sensations out now on all major streaming platforms as well as at henrygrant.bandcamp.com. If you're looking for more bops, you can listen to a radio version of this show every Tuesday from 10 to 11 p.m. EST on kpis.fm. You can find all former episodes of the Local Bops podcast, as well as the Local Bops radio show at localbops.com. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and take care.